In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Father, we thank you because this is the confidence we have that if we ask anything according to your will, you hear us. Lord, we know you. We, I mean, it's your word we've prayed. We know what we have asked today. There are things in accordance with your will. And we know, Lord, that you do indeed hear us. We give you thanks and praise, Father. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Let's declare the word of understanding before we sit down. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. His word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is giving me every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Please greet somebody on your left and your right and take your seats. Let's get into the teaching for today. Tell the person you are blessed in the name of Jesus. You are blessed with wisdom. You are blessed with understanding. All right, the Lord is good. All the time. The Lord is good. All the time. We'll start from the book of Luke chapter 11. We are learning to offer effective prayers. We know that our prayers are important in anything that God wants to do on the earth. That we know already. And this is our series, The Prayer Warrior. I want to remind ourselves that we must not overlook the fact that the person praying is much more important than the method. is much more important than his position. is much more important than whether he has fasted or he has not fasted. All right? God's assessment of that person is more important. In fact, the word righteousness, that's actually what it means. Righteousness is God's assessment. God looks at you and says, that one can talk to me. That's what is called righteousness. We know that righteousness starts by faith in Christ Jesus. We know that. He said, hearing is the righteousness of God revealed. It starts by faith in Christ Jesus, from faith to faith. We know that. Our last two meetings, I've been explaining that um, that word, faith, we must never forget. That's not just, I agree. It, because sometimes that's a problem. We say faith is of the heart, all right? And we, are, we believe, and then that gives us righteousness. But then we don't know the meaning of the word to believe. People claim they believe, they keep on walking in iniquity. People claim that they have believed, they have not repented of their dead works. People claim that they have believed, and they are not disciples of Christ Jesus. There is no faith, listen, let's get it clear. There is no true faith that does not come with repentance, there is no true faith that does not make you a disciple. If you did not repent of dead works and you are not an active disciple of Christ Jesus, your, say, your faith is not the saving type. And it's in the Bible like that. I did not invent it. James explained it clearly. Can such a faith save anyone? James explained that there is faith that is dead. He explained it clearly. That there is faith that is what? Dead. How do you know the one that is dead if he doesn't have works? If he does not have works, he says such a faith cannot help anybody. All right? So when we are talking faith, let's know what faith really is. When we are talking believing, let's know what it really means to believe. And that's what I'm trying to explain. Now, righteousness, I said, is God's assessment of you. God looks at you and says, this person can talk to me. God looks at you and says, this person is righteous. Are you getting my point here? Now, so, but we are not taking anything away 
Because once I was on, t- you know, I don't know whether you remember that day. Easy, you remember. One guy called in and was reading Romans chapter 3. In fact, he called in and said, um, I was on radio live, of course. And he called, I, I talked on this issue. I can't remember what we were talking about that day. Eh? Hmm? And we were talking about saving faith or something like that that day, right? Okay, I think so. And I explained just what I've told you now. And somebody called in and the first line he said is, I want to disagree with that pastor. At such times, you know, that if you remember, easy that day I said, let him speak. Why I allowed him to speak, all right, he was calling in, is that I said he's speaking for many people. He's speaking for the popular doctrine that's out there today. So I wanted him to exhaust everything he had to say. So he said everything. He went to Romans chapter 3 and explained that, you see, we hold it as a matter of fact that by the works of law, of the law, will anybody, will no man be saved and all of that. I allowed him to finish. Say you don't finish. Good. So I agree with you that it is not by the works of the law. I never said people should do the works of the law. I agree with you 100% that it is by faith. My question is, is it just any faith? Don't you recognize that the Bible says there is dead faith and there is living faith? Don't you recognize that James said, if a faith is dead, it cannot save anyone? Don't you recognize that James said, how do we know the difference between the living faith and the dead faith? He said, it's by the works they produce. He now said, therefore, faith without corresponding works or corresponding actions is dead, being by itself. So if you find anybody that has only faith to show, doesn't have works to show, James said, that is how you know faith that is dead. Have we taken anything from the fact that salvation is by faith? We're only saying salvation is by living faith, not by dead faith. That's all we are saying. We are not saying faith, <laughs> salvation is by works. We are saying, I mean, if I say run downstairs, please help me get something from my car and run back upstairs. Is it by breathing you will run? What are you going to do? You With your legs, you run down. But if you don't breathe, are you not dead? <laughs> James said, even, he said, just like the body without the spirit. That word spirit is breath. Because you must understand, when you use the word pneuma in Greek, you must know the context to know what he's talking about. He said, just like the body without the breath is dead, so is faith that doesn't have works. One of the elementary things we had to learn in school those days was to know whether somebody was dead or dead or alive. And they told us, you check whether it's making, let me use big English, right? Spontaneous attempts at respiration. That is it by himself breathing. It's a major sign. You see somebody lying down. You know whether he's dead or not. First thing you go and check, is he get, making any attempt at breathing? In fact, those days, I remember one, one man that gave us some archaic methods of checking. That he get a mirror and put over his face, face. No matter how gentle the breath is, it will mist on the mirror. Yes. I mean, those are the things they used to do those days. This guy breathing, just get a mirror. Put over the face. If he's breathing, you just a small mist. That this breath shows he's alive. In the same manner, James said, Walks shows the faith is alive. So that's what I've been looking at. So righteousness is by faith, but I'm just emphasizing again, the faith must be what? Genuine. It must be alive. It must be alive. If it's not alive, there's no righteousness. So that's the last time I spoke about the works of faith and the works of passion. I'm not going to talk about that again today. So we've been looking at the fact that it is a person speaking that's more important than the method. It's not these are the kind of words you speak when you want to pray this kind of prayer. 
I'm not saying those things are not important, but they are not as important as who is the person talking. Who's on the phone? You know, sometimes your phone will ring. You look, no number. You are busy. You know, you don't bother. Some people say, ah, I answer my call all the time. They are not calling you plenty. When they start calling you plenty, you will start ignoring some calls. Most people call me if I'm in the lecture hall, including my mother. Sometimes I don't pick the call. I'm very busy. But once my wife calls, even if I'm talking with my boss, I say, excuse me, sir, it's my wife. <laughs> we say, okay, go, go ahead. I say, sorry, baby, I'm talking with the CMD. Then I hang the phone. Are you getting my point? I mean, you know, like your wife is calling. There, there are so many reasons, you know. If you, can't, if, you, if you can't answer the call, you just look, just quickly. You know, you will respond. Why? You just saw, you know, people have all kinds of things they used to store their wives' names. Let me not tell you. Once you see that name, you know, baby, honey, babes, whatever, sugar, mama will keep with Whichever way you store your wife's name, instantly you pick the call. Do you understand my point? You don't even know what she's going to say. It is who's calling. Listen, that's how it is spiritually too. That's what's most important. Who's talking? And each one of us must make sure that we are people that God responds to. We've established it. God responds to, I mean, he responded to Daniel. Daniel would be our main character here we've been studying. And we're looking at the lives of these people. We said, Daniel, the Bible says clearly that you are a man of high esteem. The angel told him that three times. It's not a joke. That, Daniel, you know, in heaven, we take you very seriously. Daniel, you know, you are the one talking. Daniel, three times the angel told him, all of this is because you are highly esteemed. Very important. What I want to emphasize is that, listen, it can happen to anybody. It's not as if that's how you were born. There's a way you live life that you become like Daniel in God's eyes. That's what I'm going to explain. And that's what we've been talking about. If you get the whole series, this is like the fifth day we're on, we're on it. Yeah, no, today's the fifth. Trying to establish for people to understand that, listen, it's not just saying I'm a Christian. That is the foundation. You have to now live out what it means to be a believer. The faith of Jesus must become truly manifested in your life. That's what we are talking about. It's crucial for us to understand it. We must learn God's passions. We've talked about that. God has an emotional, now that's the word, an emotional reaction to everything. And you can learn those emotions. You just say, this is how God reasons, how this is how God feels about this. You start feeling like that. You are becoming a man like Daniel. You start loving what God loves, hating what he hates. That's how to be a man like Daniel. Last time we talked about the fact that we read there from Psalm 66. If we keep iniquity in our hearts, the Lord doesn't pay attention to us. Please, and let me just say it again. Apparently, the doctrine is trying to gain ground. It happened short, around the time I was leaving university. This doctrine was all over the place. Then it died out. That one is coming back again. They call it hypergrace. It's, it has come by different names, all right? Now, I don't like to use labels. Why I don't like labels is that sometimes, if once you label somebody, you label everything good and bad about the person. So, if I do say something that is good, you won't listen because you have labeled him. 
So I don't like the label. But the, this is a doctrine I want to talk about. The doctrine that gives the impression that Jesus condones sin is of the devil. The doctrine that gives the impression that once you are giving your life to Christ, you can never lose that salvation no matter what you do is not of God. It's not of God. How, can, how could it possibly be? I'm not teaching about that now, but there are so many scriptures. Paul warned. He said the, 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 the Israel was cut off. You can also, he warned the people, you can also be cut off. He said clearly, when, um, also, is that Hebrews chapter 5 or chapter 6? Hebrews chapter 5. It's chapter 5, right? Or chapter, anyway, into chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 6. He said clearly that, listen, you know, there are this group of people, if they were first enlightened, tasted of the good word of God, experienced the power of the ages to come, then they turn back. You can no longer renew them to salvation. Do you know the truth? Anytime that discussion comes up, I tell those who make that statement to explain that they never, that it's not even a deceptive explanation. They never have. They just avoid that scripture. And Jesus warned them. He said, do this, repent, I will not erase your name from the book. I would have thought it's common logic that he was telling the church, those people, that the possibility of erasing names exists. I believe in the assurance of salvation. But I want you to know, understand, deceived people are also sure of their salvation. You can be sure of salvation just because you are deceived. And that's why I said in the last day, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord. I mean, they were sure of their salvation. Did we not prophesy in your name? That's the painful part. They did miracles in his name. That even assuredly assured them of their salvation. But what did Jesus say? I don't know what you're talking about. He said, I never knew you. You are what? Workers. Doer of iniquity. That's why Paul will say, examine yourselves. Make sure you are in the faith. Let him that thinks he stands, take heed, lest he falls. You know, there are statements I've made. I still make once in a while. But I realize that Paul cautioned. I mean, once my wife was getting involved in a chat with some people. I'm going to say, it has never crossed my mind that I will not go to heaven. It sounds confident, right? But Paul said, if you have that impression, then check yourself periodically. It's how you know that your heaven destination is in doubt. When you become comfortable with iniquity, and you use the assurance of salvation to cover the trouble in your heart, so you can continue doing what you are doing, then, bros, you are in deep trouble. Are you getting my point? No, what I told you is a matter of... That's Bible. I'm not... I, see, listen. This is not bragging matter. Hmm? This discussion, we had it, Apostle Community, more than 25 years ago. This is not my first time getting involved in this. We had to examine it that time. It disappeared after a while. It has come back again. And always, listen to me, always it is a result of carrying truth to an extreme. It's always a result of carrying truth to an extreme. Error that is a blatant error is not dangerous. If a man comes to church say, after reading my Bible, I realize that there is no God. You know, nobody will take him serious. You know, if I say that now, you know, you won't even be angry. 
You will even think I'm preaching something wrong. You'll just be wondering that he will soon get to what he wants to say. That cannot be what he said. <laughs> you know that's how it's going to be. So if I continue for some time, if I, if I finish the whole day, you go and be examining it. What did he mean? Is he saying that what people call God does not exist? The real God, he has discovered him, that Jesus really has manifested him truly. You'll be thinking of all It's when I continue for the first few days. And I say, oh, Pastor, is this a joke? What am I going to say? Let me say, far-flung error is not dangerous. Nobody believes it. Just like nobody will deceive you with Naira, he drew a pencil. And say fake currency. To you, that's, is that fake currency? <laughs> if I cut money and I draw well with pencil and use my children's crayon to shade it, no matter how good an artist I am, if I hand it to you, you start laughing. Say, Brother Alpha, you're a good artist, too. Is it for sale? <laughs> it has to look like the real thing if it wants to be a fake currency. Like Pastor Delvan will say, say, for you to be false, you must be true at a time. He says it's only true for prophets when they backslide that they become false. He said this was I were never Christians, that God never anointed, and they are prophets. I said they are not false prophets. That they are not prophets at all. That, that when you want to see false prophets, they were genuine prophets. Then they backslid and began to say things that God did not say. The people that God called false prophets, they were real prophets. He said, but I did not send them, yet they ran. Instead of them to come and see me, sit in my council, they left and prophesied according to what's inside their heart. Those are the ones that are really false prophets. What am I going to explain? For error to be able to confuse somebody, you understand? For it to be able to get somebody off the track, it has to have a lot of truth in it. It has to. That's why you don't put poison on the floor and tell animals, eat it. You put the rat poison inside food. That thing is 99% food, 1% poison. That's what kills the rat. If you just say ordinary poison, the guy gets it, he sniffs the death, the danger inside it. In the same manner, listen, it looks like the truth is how error catches people. And that's why one major test of error is check the works it produces. That's it. It's a major test. Like this so-called hyper-grace, I, like, I don't like labels, but this is how it is. When you see where it is taught, at least that's the experience I've had, the people are immoral. If the teaching... I mean, we, we didn't become Christians yesterday. If after many years of observing those teachings... The Christians that held on tightly to those doctrines, if we found out that they were the most honest business people, they were the most faithful husbands and faithful wives, and, and young people too, if we found out that they were the most honest people, we, we will believe that, we will look at the doctrine and say, maybe there's something we didn't understand. But experience over the decades is that it's the opposite. Those who preach it, and the ones behind here said, that guy, forget him. He's a man of God, but I know he has three girlfriends, two are on my campus. Those who advance, I've noticed, look, I can't stand here and be giving you names. There are people I know their names. We have observed them over the years. They are the ones that people walk with them and say, oh boy, I tire. All these small, small girls getting pregnant for a gang, committing abortion, I don't tire, they go. Come on. 
the truth was really true to be purging people's hearts as they hold on to it. Error is usually when they've taken pot taught righteousness by faith. Then Peter said, those things are hard doctrines. Some of the things Paul taught. Then the unlearned took them and twisted them to their own destruction. It's not today. That's why I wrote the blog, Salvation by Faith, why James had to write. It's not now. The days of Paul, it was there. That was why James rose up to write and began to explain. Yes, Paul told you now. He didn't use the word Paul, but I'm just giving us an example. He said, yeah, Paul told that Abraham was justified by faith. That is true. But how do we know he believed? Because he got up and moved when God said move. His, faith, his works cooperated with his faith. He wasn't saying one thing with his mouth or with his heart, calling it faith, and doing another thing, the works of darkness. He said, when God said, go and sacrifice Isaac, he said he got up and he obeyed. Yes, it was faith, but his faith was shown to us by works. He said, therefore, all those of you who believe Paul, let me clarify Paul for you. Paul assumed that when you believe, you truly believe. Many of you who claim you are following Paul are jokers. Paul preached repentance from dead works. That's what James wrote. That's why he wrote this epistle. So we're not saying salvation is by works. These things are, the works are the manifestations of the genuineness of our faith. And the Jesus whom we serve is as dangerous towards sin as ever. He doesn't like it. The only thing is that the Bible says concerning him, concerning this Jesus, he is what? Slow to anger. Is that slowness that the thing that is about him? He's not going out with a sledgehammer looking for who to kill. Say, ah, we have not killed anybody in a while. <laughs> you all see one Christian. He said, are you coming by 8 tomorrow? Yes. Then the guy gets by 8.30. He said, crush his leg. He lied. Doesn't do like that. But if you consistently telling people, tell people, I will come by 8 and you get there by 8.30. He's patient. Sometimes decades. Then one day, you will get what the Bible calls a just recompense of reward for iniquity. For being consistently 30 minutes late, you are not a man of your word. That's how it is. The first thing you do, you won't, you won't see one. You will just tell your friends. One day your friend just say, oh boy, they can't even count on you. He said, things, I had things to do. He said, but you never miss your flight. You, I've never seen you miss your flight. What does that mean? And when it's your own advantage, you they keep time. I hope you're following what I'm saying. For us to be like Daniel, for us to be like Moses, for us to be like Samuel, it is primarily a function of faith. That's what righteousness is. We are just explaining again that for us believers, righteous works <laughs> is important in our lives. God looks out for them. God looks out for them. Alright? Just trying to catch up with what we are. So please, it's important. Let's make ourselves people that when we pray, if the Lord was creating, he will pause. For that he, that he stops things, you know. On the sixth, seventh day, what did he do? He rested from what he was doing. There are people that God wants to do something. They say, no, I'm not ready. The Lord will tell all the angels, find something else to do. Daniel will be ready tomorrow. Sounds funny, but it's a matter of fact. Sometimes God looks at a whole country. And he just needs one man to say something. To decide what he, what he God, will do. One person. Determined to be that person. 
That's what I'm saying. Let's know the things that are excellent. To be appreciated by God is the most excellent thing you can achieve in this life. Yeah, and please read my tract. Are we all equal before God? Then read the one, Daniel. Two tracts in which I address that matter. Are we all equal before God and Daniel? Let me not preach that message again. I've gone over it several times. Let's just continue. Where did we read just now? I thought you went to Luke chapter 1. Okay, let's open to it. I didn't know we had not read it. Luke chapter 11. So we're looking at the traits, the characteristics of the effective prayer warrior. People whom the Lord listens to their prayers. Today I want to talk about the trait of importunity. The trait which is actually a sign of intense faith. The fact that, you know, they pray and continue praying is a sign of their continued faith. And that's what I want to explain today. I want to read from verse 5. He said, Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey. Remember, this is midnight. And I have nothing to set before him. And I suppose from inside he answers and says, Do not disturb me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. In verse 8 he said, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, that is because of this, I've established a principle of persistence and importunity. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, I just want those few verses. We read from verse 5 to verse 10. Six verses there. Now, please, before I leave there, I just want to read something the Amplified, and it's important just to read a few verses in the Amplified rendering. Now, I'm reading verse um, 9. So I say to you, ask and keep on asking, and it shall be given you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you shall find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks and keeps on asking receives, and he who seeks and keeps on seeking finds, and he who knocks and keeps on knocking, the door shall be opened. Now, please, before I leave there, I want to just explain something here. Remember, I'm not teaching about methods of prayer. So don't catch the thing that when you want to pray, you will continue to pray until God answers you. Sometimes we miss the Lord's point, And we think we got it right, but we don't look closely enough. Now if you see where I began from, I was talking about the person praying. You understand? Now, he said, supposing a friend, did you notice that? You went to a friend of yours. 
It's not, you see, Jesus always emphasizes the person that he's dealing with. But oftentimes we get lost when we look at the method. We jump the fact that he said a friend. We say what you need in prayer is don't just, just say, God, no, I will not let you go unless you bless me. There are people that hold him too tightly. He cuts their hands so he can go free. <laughs> no, we have to get it clear. He wants to touch Jesus. Listen, Peter said, Seest thou the multitude thronging thee? And then you are now saying, Who touched me? They didn't touch you, they pushed you. They didn't touch you, they shoved you. It's not just about touching. Jesus had to point out somebody touched me, not the multitude. There was something about the person that made her touch different from that of other people. So it's not about touch, it's about who is touching. People say that Jesus said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, and say, listen, don't forget. When he said whosoever, he had a group of whosoever's. Yes, he was speaking to his disciples. He didn't go to the Pharisees and say, if you can just say to this mountain, any one of you Pharisees, Sadducee, or scribe. There were statements he made to his disciples. So when we are following this, this story of this man who was persistent in prayer, I don't want us to just stick on the matter of persistence. Let's put it in perspective. It is the fact that that fellow has a persistent trait in his heart that manifested in his persistence. You know, you are getting what I'm saying here. Now the question therefore I'm asking is, why was he persistent? That's actually that's where I'm going. Because it is something in his heart that made him persistent. He wouldn't have gone to a stranger, knocked on the door, and said, Give me three loaves. And I would say, Please go. He said, I will not go unless you give bring me three loaves. That one will call police. Sure. We often miss out the fact that there has to be a relationship. It's not just about being there and shouting all the time. He couldn't go. I mean, if the, the other man said, uh, Please go. I don't have bread at home. For him to stay at the door, he knew the guy had bread. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The problem is that you don't want to get up. Don't worry. Because if you went to a house of a man who didn't have bread, who did not eat last night, whose children are not in bed with him, they are sitting with him waiting for food. There is no point sitting down there. So this man had knowledge. He had no listen, he had a relationship, he had knowledge of the situation. He knew that this fellow had bread to give. I don't want us to get just get stuck on this. And when you want to pray, you will stay there and say, God, oh, ha, we will not live here till tomorrow. You know. <laughs> listen, my people, it's beyond that. Like I said, I'm looking at the traits. The fellow who stood there. I'm looking at his trait, his character. I'm looking at why did he stay? There was a reason. Listen, Christianity, you know, some people say they are led by the Spirit. You know, please, if you have not read, um, guided by the Spirit, please read it. Read it. Because a lot of Christians, they live by impulse. They say it's the Spirit. What the Lord has helped me to understand, which I put that in that book, is that there's nothing like that. How a Christian lives is by spiritual reasoning. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's by what? Spiritual reasoning. We reason. We're not foolish people. I need to digress a bit. Just by the way. Listen, Christians, we reason. We reason. We reason. The only thing 
where we differ, what makes us people of faith and people of the spirit is what we reason with. Is how we reason. Because each time you place value on things. Are you getting my point? One day somebody said, if your wedding is tomorrow, you get a call today to come and get a contract of 300 million. What will you do? So people began to discuss. And I began to hear all kinds of stupidity, ignorance, and faithlessness because it was a Christian chat group. People were just talking all kinds of nonsense. Now, what I'm talking about is that people now say, what should you do? Listen to me. You say, let me go and pray. That is a Balamic prayer. God doesn't like <laughs> Now, so anything you hear is a lie. Because God showed up to Balaam, and what Balaam heard was a lie. At that point, you have your keenness in hearing the Spirit means nothing. What I'm talking about, that discussion that day, I don't know whether I contributed was on my wife's phone. I was not in that chat group, you know. I, I just said, listen, the people are missing the point. Some people say, ah, hey, opportunity of a lifetime. Now, listen to spiritual people. We don't believe in opportunity of a lifetime. The worldly man who believes life is a game of chance. We say, hmm, if this one goes, who knows when the next one will come? And somebody made a statement. He said, you don't owe anybody any explanation. You only owe your wife. And when your wife sees what is about to happen, she will be on your side. You don't owe your father-in-law. You don't owe your mother-in-law. You don't owe your friends who travel. You don't owe people who have canceled their engagements to be at your wedding tomorrow. It shows that, remember what we talked on radio, soul prosperity is unimportant to you. Because relationship, we said, is a key matter in prosperity of the soul. You are ready to sacrifice all kinds of relationships for money. What does that mean? Money has a hold on your soul. That is what God is proving to you. Forget the money. He has proven to you that, you see, you will disappoint 500 guests just because you're about to strike it rich. He's showing to all this one of let's go and pray. There's no need for a prayer. Sit down and reason. What makes Christian reasoning is the value you place on things. Somebody said, This is your opportunity. But you've heard people like me preach. I say, Opportunity comes but once. It's not the gospel of the blessed. To the blessed man, what happens can happen again and again. And my blessing is commanded. He said, from there, God commanded the blessings. Blessings are commanded. My blessing has my name on it. Nobody else can take it. And experience has shown on his life that it's never really like that. Tomorrow, he would say, come today, today. Anytime they say, come today, today, it's 419. <laughs> now, what I'm not explaining is, you see, so we, we Christians, we reason. It's not just we just sit down there and say, what is your spirit saying you should do? Your spirit says, your spirit says, Go left. We know we're erratic people, undependable people. You say, what's happening? You say, I'm moving by the Spirit. No, you are not moving by the Spirit. Do you know that Jesus used to have a plan? The Bible says he sent them two by two to go to all the towns and villages that he himself was planning to come to. We think he used to wake up in the morning and say, where do we go? Peter, hold me this side. Hold me this side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My spirit says Capernaum. Everybody, to Capernaum we go. No. He will have settled down. He will say, Hey, Apostle Okimuti, Israel, Inca, Unduka, where are we going next? Say, oh, We'll go to Bakleki from there. 
We should be in Port Harcourt. We come in Port Harcourt Seminar next week. Um, after that, we'll go to... So, okay, it's all right. Okay, you. Get two of the guys to go to Port Harcourt. Let them go and prepare for us. Meanwhile, the other guys will go to uh, Oka. Then the other people will go to Makodi. So that as soon as we finish, things will be ready. That's how Jesus used to do. No one will finish in Port Harcourt. And I say, hmm. What do we go next? Hmm. Let's balance these things. Christians reason. Amen? Amen. Yeah, we reason. We do reason. Uh, I, again, I told you it's a side trip. Let, let me finish my side trip. Let me finish it. I've not finished it. So, do you want to be spiritual? Gather the ability to reason spiritually. What does, what does it mean to reason spiritually? To you, the word of God is tangible. When I say tangible, you say, ah, this guy can help us. You say, what do you mean? You know, the man is very rich. I've seen him give a check. All right? For a program. Five million naira. He didn't bat an eyelid. The other day he was in this particular church. He gave them six million naira because the pastor said they wanted to roof the building. He said, let's go and see him. Are you seeing that? To a natural person, is that reasonable? To a spiritual person, is it reasonable? No. Why? The Bible says, cost is the one who trusts in flesh. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But our own trust is in the name of the Lord. So you see, to the spiritual person, you are rich, it's your private problem. That is when the scripture applies, God is no respecter of persons. God can save by multitude, can save by few. Can you see the way spiritual people reason? It's not that they don't reason. They reason. Normal people, we reason. God has sent us to ministry. We need to start a business so that we'll be from there getting money to fund the ministry. Like I always say, Anytime I hear somebody say that, just then they say, oh boy, oh girl. Bank is there, I should tell you, you are not called. <laughs> and in case you are called, you are thoroughly confused. Spiritual person will say, Jesus said, when I sent you without anything, did you lack anything? Say, take no purse or script, greet no man on the way. Like Bishop Oedipo will say, don't lobby. That's the meaning of greet no man on the way. Okay. That's what Bishop Oedipo used to say. <laughs> Don't go and say, you know, we are doing a great work. Whether the Lord is laying anything upon your heart to support it. <laughs> Bishop say you are greeting men on the way. <laughs> when you do like that, you are greeting men on the way. You are getting the point here. So, now, please, that's spiritual. Spiritual people will reason. People of faith will reason. What makes us people of faith, are you getting me, is how we reason. When I was coming to Enugu, I was told... It is better, you know, Nigeria, to be amongst your people. So I asked a simple question. Who are my people? That was a simple question. Who are my people? You know what Jesus said? My people are those who have the same passion for the word of God as I have. My people are those who respect Jesus the way I do. My people are those who respect his word the way I do. That both of us are born from not the same natural descent does not make you my people. That's a Christian's reason. One day, one young woman wrote us a mail. I think it was a woman. Was it a call? No, it was a program we went. So she's a lady. Didn't see a call. So people wrote questions. Said that when I said Christians can marry from anywhere, why did Abraham send Eliezer of Damascus to go and get a wife from his people? I've given the answer now. Please. Like Eliezer of Damascus and Abraham, go to where? Your people. The question now is, who are your people? Is it, is it, is it not simple? 
So we have a solid reasoning today now. Everybody marry from amongst? From where? Amongst? Yes. So you marry from Jews. You married from amongst your people. The question now is, who are my people? And the answer is there in the New Testament. Paul said it to the Corinthians. Give offense neither, neither to Jews nor to Gentiles or the church of God. So you choose one. You're either amongst the people Jews, the my people Gentiles, or the my people, the church of God. So the my people, where's JP? <laughs> the my people can be Fulani or Kanuri. JP, is that not so? That's the prophecy we gave you last time. <laughs> Once they believe, they are your people. Can you see the way Christians reason? It's not like we don't reason. It's not as if we, when we don't reason, we are spiritual. Say, I don't believe in reasoning. I don't do what inside my heart at that moment. That is what is called being impulsive. You are erratic. And I know a number of erratic people. They just, they just say, okay, we are traveling what tomorrow. What time tomorrow? They tell you 6 o'clock. All right, 6 o'clock is their house. They say, now nah, when I wake up this morning, my spirit no go. You will look, your spirit no go. Your spirit no go. <laughs> but, my, bros, my spirit no go. Everybody is there, their spirit no go. Everything is ready, their spirit no go. They say, no, I move by the spirit. See, if God does not tell me to go, I don't go. You know, it sounds so spiritual. Yeah. Listen to me, my people. 99 times out of 100 is a sign of irresponsibility. I, I said what? 99 out of 100. Because I do recognize that occasionally God has to interject and spoil our own plans. He does that. But immediate day to day, no, Jesus expects us to be reasonable. When I say this, it's how we reason that is the question for believers. It's not that we don't reason. It's how we reason. Like we are business people as an example. Money is not the first thing in our reasoning pattern. I've seen business with that. They know what they are doing is evil. You know what they are doing is evil. Their friends know it is evil. But their friends will all agree with what the man is doing because if he does what is right, he will lose money. But the Bible tells us we believers. You want to ascend to the mountain of God? You've sworn by your mouth. Even though now it hurts you, you can't change. The man said, how much will you sell this thing to me? You told him 50000 is that okay with you? Yes. He deposited 25000 I'll pick it up on Friday. You come on Friday. You've gone to the market. You find out that you're not landing it at 60000 If you sell at fifty, you make a loss. You know what natural human beings do? And their friends in the market think is reasonable. They say, oh, God, I'm not sure if he will return his money. You have sinned. Don't say I gave him back his money. No, you're a sinner. You swore to your heart. You know what you should do? Give him his goods Collect your balance and start looking. Say, oh God, now wow, this business is all bad for me, Sha. If he says it's none of my business, you know what? It's none of his business. You let him go. Ah, how will I continue doing like you've learned a lesson next time? You know, make promises when you know they show. Sure. After all, you made that promise thinking you were going to make a killing. Listen to me, now so life be, now so Christianity be. It's not nice to the flesh. One of our brothers in the company. <laughs> Sometimes when you tell the boss, say, can't reduce the price of this and want to sell, he's advertising now that, okay, we'll get the goods ready, so and so and so time. 
One of the things he has factored in from experience is the cost of such disappointments. So I know there's inflation, I know there's this. So there have been times before I advertised this price. And he said something. Once I put out the advert as a Christian, I can't change my mind. That's what he said. He said, once I roll out my adverts, as a believer, I can't change my mind. So he sits down and exhaustively does his calculations. And said, if you go to market at this price, we should survive. This is a Christian's reason. It's how we reason that is a problem. It is when we now use these spiritual principles to reason. Sometimes I said, I had dinner, you, know, you shave this amount, you did this amount. Why? Because if you have to save for the future, Jesus specifically said that, no, don't save for the future. He said it. He said, is that what he means? <laughs> yeah, that's thanks for expressing your own belief. <laughs> it's doubt. You're afraid. He says, sufficient unto the day is evil thereof. But this time you are gathering money, there must be something for the day. Remember what I said? Day is in you know, it has different segments. In that particular situation, day could be a year. What is a year? We're starting a building project, we'll finish it in nine months. That's one day. So if money comes in, money comes in, I say, no, let's not eat everything. Why? We have to pay for this next month. It's not, I'm not, I, I mean, I'm not, it's not anxiety. We're inside that day. In the same way, Jesus used to have plants that will go here, will go here, will go there. Paul too used to have plants, except that occasionally they want to go. Holy Spirit now says, no, you can't. They want to turn that one to normal. It's not normal. The whole of the life of Paul, you heard that only one time. No, we're talking about the prayer warrior. That's a digression, okay? Let's get back to the prayer warrior matter. We explained the fact, that, I was explaining the fact that the friend had looked at it. So we are talking about that he's a friend. He knew his friend had the bread. So when Jesus was giving us instructions, let's read the context. And my teaching today is on what made him stay there? Look, how many times did Henry, not Henry Ford, light bulb, Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison tested light bulb. Now, people have said, okay, some say 1,000 times, some say 3,000. The biggest I've heard is 10,000, all right? Good. So let's take 1,000, let's, lest we are accused of being superfluous, okay? Let's take 1,000. If you do an experiment 1,000 times, an experiment 1,000 times, it's one of two things. People say, it's a sign in life, you have to be persistent. You have to be persistent. Because persistence... <laughs> Bros, if you drive your water, your car into water, better jump out and forget this persistence thing because that car will persistently go down. I can assure you, better wind down before... Gla- the, the, <laughs> yeah, no, because before the water makes your door impossible to open. Better wind down, jump out and swim. Because the car will persistently go down. People preach persistence as if it's, you just, you just be persistent. Listen, if you persistently knock your head against a concrete wall, it is your wall head that will break. That concrete wall will not shift just because you learn the doctrine of persistence. Trust me, your brain will persistently crack. And there was a man I read of, Bennett Trevison. I crammed his name. Read about him over 20 years ago. He wanted to change metal, base metals to gold. He spent his whole life persistently trying. Then when he died, when he was about to die, at the age of 76, he said, I have found out that to make gold, you have to start with gold. And he died. 
<laughs> he used his whole life to find out. Now, so what I said to people is this. Why was the man persistent? That's my question. He knew it was going to work. That knowledge from the beginning was the reason for his persistence. That knowledge was the reason for his persistence. It was because, now how did he know? We're not discussing that now. But can I show you of one thing? He knew. You know the way you search for something? When you know where you kept it. Your wife will say, I'll check the bag. It's not there. You say, no, I dropped it there just before we went out. I remember dropping it in there because I didn't want to misplace it. He said, I've checked. It's not there. You know what you say to her? Give me. No, first you say, check again. Then she checks and checks. You are talking on the phone. Yeah, good example. You're looking for your ATM. She checks and checks and checks again. Ah, they start reasoning. Has anybody entered the house since we left? He said, no. The keys are with us. Nobody broke into the house. No. So since we left, this first time nobody's going back in. So nobody removed it from there. Check again. Then she checks three, four times. She does not find it. You now say, I'm coming. You now go there and say, give me the bag. This time around, you turn it upside down. You look everywhere. You finally, finally, you know what always happens? You find it. Why? You knew it was there. It couldn't be anywhere else. This man was importunate because he knew that was where the answer laid. Thomas Edison tested the bulb a thousand times or whatever number simply because he knew it would work. I want to, I mean, I'm, I'm imagining how did he know? Maybe he had a vision. Maybe he had done a lot of calculations. And something him said that is just to get the right materials. So for him, it's not about testing materials. And he was determined that no matter how long it will take, the material exists, I will find it. Let's back, come back to our prayer man. You know why those in prayer, why we will be importunate? I'll tell you. It is simply because we have assurance and we have what the Bible calls expectation. Because like I say all the time, faith always brings what? Expectation. Let's read this particular scripture for a number of them. Very important. First of all, let's read Zechariah chapter 9. I'll just go straight forward to the uh, to New, Ameri- uh, New Living Translation because it makes things easy for me. I want to read from verse 9 to verse 13. Zechariah chapter 9 from verse 9 to verse 13. From verse 9, it says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. Yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy all the weapons used in battle and your king will bring peace to the nations. His realm will stretch from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. Because of the covenant I made with you, sealed with blood, I will free your prisoners from death in a waterless dungeon. Come back to the place of safety, all you prisoners who still have hope. This verse is what I want from there. Come back to the place of safety, all you prisoners who still have hope. I promise this very day that I will repay two blessings for each of your troubles. He said, Judah is my bow, and Israel is my arrow. Jerusalem is my sword. And like a warrior, 
I will brandish it against the Greeks. Why I read this is that verse 12. God gave this prophetic word. I am going to bring deliverance for a certain group of people. For this group of people, I am going to repay two blessings for each of their troubles. And which group of people are those? He said, the prisoners. The prisoners. I didn't hear you well. The prisoners who still have hope. There's a statement I've made again and again. And this one thing I want you to follow me concerning. In the trait of the effective prayer warrior. There are people that have hope. What does it mean to have hope? There are people that are really expecting God to do something. That is the reason why they are importunate. It's not out of stubbornness. It's not out of the fact that they are are just naturally aggressive people who will keep on hitting against a wall. Even though they know, they, they suspect the wall may not budge. No. Why they have hope is that, for example, they believe in the mercy of God. They believe that they have a role to play in what God wants to do on the earth. They understand God's plan. They know that there will be obstructions. They know that despite all of these things, if we will stay and remain, God will eventually come through. Listen to me. Let's look at a man like Daniel. He went and fasted for how long? 21 days. Question was, my wife asked me this some, about sometime last year. He said, what if he had left on the 20th day? You know, I was listening to David, uh, the... the um, no, Kenneth Hagin again this morning, all right? I've been listening to him for some time now. That's the last two, two, three weeks. I just switched over to him. That guy is very inspiring, very, very inspiring. Your faith will increase if you listen to him. Your faith will increase. You know, he just tell you a few stories. He said one day he finished the meeting and that, now nah, follow this. He finished the meeting and the young woman came up to him, please, can I talk to you? Well, I didn't have, he didn't have much time. Go ahead, but just for a minute. The woman said, I'm wearing my first pair of shoes. She was 40-something. That is my first pair of shoes. So he was wondering, why are you wearing your first pair of shoes? Is it poverty? You know that kind of attitude. Why are you wearing your first pair of shoes? She now explained that she was born with abnormal feet. And she had lived like that till she was 40-something. And then somebody gave her his tips called Faith Classics. And she listened to them for six months. At the end of six months, her feet corrected themselves. She said her left toe, her left foot did not have the little toe. The little toe grew out. He found it difficult to believe. So they quickly did small, you know, link who knows who. And he now went to those people and said, do you know such and such person? Oh yeah, we know her. And they told the story and confirmed that this girl was telling the truth. Sonda Delaja, one of his books, he explained when he was teaching in Ukraine to bring men out of poverty, a man sold things, looked for money, and bought a set of tapes and listened to them until he became a millionaire. The first few hours, he could hardly make out what Sonda Delaja was saying. One, accent. Two, English. For that man, the English is a second language. He speaks in normal Russian, maybe Russian. That's what he speaks as his first language. He had to learn English. He said, but the man was persistent. He was persistent. He listened to the messages. I think two or four years later, the man was a millionaire. This guy was hardly educated. As he listened to that Ken Higgins message, I think this morning or yesterday night, I said, he started thinking to himself, what if she has stopped in the fourth month? What if she has stopped in the third month? Okay, what if she has stopped in the fifth month? 
Because it was at the end of the sixth month. So she didn't used to go anywhere much. So she had the time. She had, I think she was 42. That was, that was when she wore shoes for the first time. The first time in her life. Why did Daniel stay there for three weeks? That's what we are talking about. Daddy, my wife asked me, what would have happened if Daniel had left? That's not what I want to talk about now. What I want to talk about is, why did he stay there? I'll tell you, because Daniel, being the kind of person he had become, he knew that God will always come through for me. I need patience so that I can inherit the promise. Listen, the real prayer warriors of God, there are people that are so sure that God will come through, they are not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. He said, are you sure? If I die in the process, just right there. This guy died believing that God will come through. And the day of resurrection will continue to believe it. Are you getting what I'm going to explain? Listen, those who God listens to, they are not people who come to try God out. They are praying for the country, then they package their wives and their children to go and hide them in Ghana. <laughs> Do you get my point here? No, there are people that say, no, listen, that is a fight. It's war. The Lord, he will, he must, he will come through for us. This is what, now, listen, it's not arrogance. It's a pro, because faith comes by what? Yes. Hearing. They heard the word until that point. They heard the word until they reached that level of assurance and persuasion. Why did Daniel stay for three weeks? Should I give you the answer? He was willing to stay for one year. Three weeks was, small, was a small job. The man was going to stay for a year if necessary. That's why he chose a partial fast. Say, I won't, I won't die. There's some people say, I will not eat at all. <laughs> Daniel said, this thing may take a long time. So let's eat. Let's just reduce the food. Say, no parting, no wine, no specially prepared omelette. All this unquobi uh, and stuff like that, not now. Just wake up in the morning. Can I have two rolls of bread? They give it to him. They give him a glass of milk. He stands, chews the bread, drink the milk on it. I'm going to pray. He prays for some hours. It's 10 o'clock. The king will be looking for me. He will dash to the office, sit down, walk. 4 o'clock, film. He's going to bring back the scrolls of Jeremiah and he starts reading and reading and reading and reading. When it's time to sleep, he realizes that he has hardly had anything to eat since that's two rolls of bread in the morning. So he says, is there anything there in the house? He said, we have some fried yam here. He collects the yam with a glass of water, lies down on his bed, eats it, drinks the water, and goes to sleep. He wakes up during the night to go and ease himself. He brings out the scroll. He reads the segment again. He goes back to sleep. The man said, if it is one year, in fact, he didn't have a time limit. We will do this till we die. But the day he said, see, it's a person, it, look, it's a person thing. It's not a method. The day he opened his mouth to start praying, instantly God had released that angel. And then the angel was withheld, you know, the troubles for three weeks and all of that. That was why the angel, that's why Daniel was there for three weeks. But Daniel was willing to stay there for one year. Daniel was not going to be discouraged. Jesus knew discouragement will come. That's why he said men ought always to pray and what not grow weary. 
not to be discouraged. Why? He knew discouragement would come. He said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He knew that things would happen to wear down the faith of people. What about Elijah? When James wrote about this in James chapter 5, he said, he talked about who? Elijah. Effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Heartfelt, amplified said, persistent of a righteous man avails much or makes tremendous power available. Now, the important thing about it is this. What I want to bring out is that Elijah prayed how many times? Seven times in that particular context. Seven times. Let's read it. Make everybody happy. First Kings chapter 18. We know the story, so we'll just go straight to the portion that concerns us. Let's just start reading from around verse 40. So just scroll down. Now let's just go, uh, let's just start from verse 38. You know the story, just back it up. Uh, or let's just start from verse 38. We know the story up to that point. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and all of that. Verse 39, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. They said it twice. Verse 40, then Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Now, what I want to bring out here is what he said immediately to Ahab. Now Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. This is not very, very... Apostle, King James is sweet here. There is a sound of an abundance of rain. I like that one. Sounds like the Holy Spirit said that. <laughs> now he said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Now notice this. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. But look at the man that has hope. Look at how they behave. Now the man has expectation for what? Rain. That's Elijah. So he went up to the top of Carmel. And crouched there on the earth and put his face between his knees. He said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go back. This one he said seven times. It came about at the seventh time that he said, behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. In a little while, while he said the sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy shower. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel. My father in heaven, you outran a chariot. That is not only the hand of the Lord, the body of the Lord is upon you. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, why did I read this? You notice something. Seven times. The man will pray. I don't know how long he was there. I don't know whether there was ten minutes in between each prayer. We tell the servant, go and check. But remember, what I want to bring out is this. He started with a statement. I hear the sound of the roar of a heavy shower or the abundance of rain. He had not prayed Nothing was happening. He told Ahab, I can hear it already. I don't know whether you get my point. That was why Thomas Edison tested a thousand times. He already saw the light of abundance of bulbs. Are you getting my point? So the man was going to stay there 
for as long as it took. That was exactly the same that happened with Elijah. Elijah said, I've heard it. The sound of abundance of rain. I know it's coming. So the man went to pray. The man, Bible says that that was, when James was referring to it, that was what he was referring to when he said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When he said he avails much and makes tremendous power available, depending on the version you read, that was what he was talking about. Yet, nothing had happened. But listen to me, he knew something would happen. So he went up to go and pray. And he continued to pray. That's why I said it before. I've been saying in the last, in the last few weeks that there is no prayer except there is hope in your heart. Prayer is impossible except you have hope. Prayer is not a statement of desperation. Prayer is a matter of expectation. That no, God will do something. So he hasn't done it, let's go and pray. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Listen, that's why prayer does not start until there's a prophetic word. You cannot pray effectively except there's a prophetic word. First of all, most importantly, one from scriptures. You are praying for healing. You are praying for healing. First of all, you must have... Look, you must have an anger inside you at the current situation. And when I say anger now, the anger is born of the fact that I've read scriptures. That is not what the Bible says. That's why Jesus talked about the fact that this man refused to go away. How do you know the food that God has in the house? It's what he wrote about. Mm. <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting my point. It is what he wrote about. You read it from the word of God. That is what generated desire in you. Except the word generates desire, the prayer has no... Listen, it's not as God does not want to answer. Eh? The problem is that you will lose heart. Please, let me explain this to us again. God has promised something you have seen does not happen automatically. I think we have seen that enough. Elijah said, I hear the sound. There's abundance of rain coming. There's a heavy shower coming. Yet the sky was it was empty. The sky was bare. Look throughout the horizon, not one bit, not a little bit of cloud could you see. So he said, well, if that's the situation, we are going to pray the clouds to come. Why? We have heard the sound. Tell your neighbor, what have you heard? Many people are hearing lies. Once they get to Facebook, they start hearing nonsense. Are you getting my point? They start hearing people telling them things will never be well. Sometimes when I hear, <laughs> one of our brothers told me the other day that somebody said, that, eh, send your children abroad because education is different from education. You know as a black man, you're already disadvantaged. A Christian saying that, you know for being black, you're already disadvantaged. A child of God. Ask your neighbor again, what have you been hearing? When I say hearing now, I don't know what people have been saying. What have you been paying attention to? That's what matters. Because faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing. And it goes, to go, it goes together. It's hearing and hearing. Because there are all kinds of voices out there. They hit your ears, you bounce it off. You didn't hear that one. The one you hear with your external ear, and you allow your spirit to imbibe, is the hearing and hearing. The one you pay attention to and you believe. The brother who told me said he was alarmed. What he was saying is that get a better education to override their disadvantage from being black. You know, God knew I had to look like this. So I can tell the truth. I'm telling you. They said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? They said, come and see. 
there are statements that can't come out of my mouth. I told you, when I came to Enugu, you know the normal Nigerian lie. You know you are not Igbo. I said, so? Was Joseph an Egyptian? That was my question. No, those, no, ask my wife. I asked many people. I said, was Joseph an Egyptian? I said, have the favor of God upon me. That was what I heard. So that even when I got here, when things were done, clearly that everybody said, this is tribalism. I said, you don't get the point. It is impossible. Why do you say it's impossible? I said, you're dealing with Banky here. Who do you think you're dealing with? When I shared that testimony with one of my colleagues, who's also a Christian, he said, Chief, you must be commended for holding that position. It's what you have been hearing. Now listen to me. So that, let's ask me, I want to buy land somewhere now. You understand? And then, I have money. They say they won't sell to you. You know you are not from here. Are you getting my point? <laughs> you know, I will pray until the whole community begs me to take the land. I don't know whether you are getting my point. I have the confidence. I did not believe the lie. I will pray until the people say, please come and take and give me a discount that they didn't give to a man that's born in that soil, in that place. Why? I heard the sound of the abundance of rain. Listen, my people, you cannot pray except you have hope. I saw a young woman who just finished school. Oh, my student. Ah, how are you? Fine, sir. Where are you doing? Have you gotten a place for us? job? Not yet. Say, I only heard, now listen to this. I heard that Ogun State is about to employ people. I said, so I want to go there. You know what she told me? He said, I don't think they will take me. So I said, why not? She said, you know, I'm Igbo. I didn't know when I opened my, because I was inside my car. I jumped, the, you know, you know the, way, the way I react to such things. I said, one, have you ever been to Ogun State? She said, no. Have you ever walked there? No. You know anybody from there? No. I asked a number of questions. The answer was no, 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 no. So who told you you were naked? No, that's what God said. I was so angry. That how do you behave like this? You have never lived out of Enugu. You made up your mind what will happen to you in Enugu. They are giants. I'm a grasshopper. I told you, two men of God in Sokoto there, two of them. So when they got there, the southerners were behaving like grasshoppers. I went for, you know, on Friday I traveled for a meeting. Pastor Courage came. He came from Meduguri for that meeting. So we tried talking. He said something. He said, I have been around the north. He said, it's a lie that Muslims are a majority. Now, when a man like that talks, please listen. He has lived in Sokoto for 20 years, and this year he moved to Meduguri. No, late last year he moved to Meduguri. He said, I have been around this place for long. He said, it is not true that Muslims are in the majority. He said, they they have moved around there, they've noticed. He said, what is the problem? He said, the other people are conquered people. I don't know whether you get what I'm saying. He said, they are a conquered people. You see it in their mentality. I'm going to explain something here. You see, if you allow life to lie to you, you will not pray till God breaks through upon you. That's what I'm trying to explain. But when people have heard the liberating word of Christ, they will not shift. Daniel had read his books. Daniel knew the God he was dealing with. He was ready to stay for a year. Something will break. Elijah had heard the sound of the abundance of rain. 
So the man wasn't going to go anywhere. It won't have gone it, you need to move. Yet the sky was empty. It's all right. So what God promised is not yet happening. That's when we start praying. When we expect something and we are not seeing it, that's when we start praying. You cannot pray except expectation is first in your It's not desire. No, people say that hey, we, hey, make your, if you start your prayer based on desire, you will wear out after a while. Because as a matter of fact, many times in scripture, it appears like God delays. But when that thing is ignited by understanding, by revelation, is occasionally, you know, you could just be vexed, you know, like we say, you just be getting angry. I read the story of Dawi. How did Dawi get the power that entered his hand? He was just angry. That for goodness sake, is it not the same God that was healing around those days? What happened now? People were dying daily in his church. Church members were dying. Their children were dying. So he reopened his Bible. He's not the same God. The Bible fell from his hand and opened to the book of Acts chapter 10. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. He said, this one is the devil. As soon as he finished reading it, they called him that one little girl too was about to die. Then he ran over there. And the doctor said, the ways of God are wonderful. He said, this is not the way of God. This is the way of the devil. The doctor looked at him and said, Pastor, are you all right? The doctor walked out. He walked in. And for the first time in his life, he directed his prayer against a sickness. Not, Lord, let that will be done. He said, this this sickness, you will die. Saying, Jesus' name, Father God, you are the healer. Heal this girl now. The kind of prayer he prayed was not the kind of fiery prayer we even pray these days. So I command that. And no. Simple prayer like, Father, that God. No. This girl cannot die. You are the healer. Heal right now. We ask in Jesus' name. Simple. But this time around, determined to have something he has read occur in his life. Next thing he knew that the girl went quiet and fell asleep. The mother thought she was dead. She moved closer. You think she's dead? He said, no. I think she's sleeping. After I woke the girl up, the girl woke up. Ah, pastor, when did you come? The girl woke up. He said, I'm so tired. The man said, you must be hungry. He said, very hungry. He said, make me a cup of cocoa for her and bring some bread. Fed the girl himself. And she went back to sleep. She woke up. After that, nobody he encountered died. Not one person. You know the truth? We easily give up. We easily give up. Then we start revising our doctrine. We try four businesses, they've all failed. Say so prosperity is not for everybody. It's not for everybody now. You now accept the poverty and the limitation. Listen, you have, you must start seven businesses. And when all of them have failed, you come and see me. Then I will spiritually cancel the seven. Go and start again. But this life, you must succeed. Amen. You know, <laughs> there are prayers I pray in my life. Eh? And I say, Lord, we will win. And what I mean by we win is that there are some things we just will win. When say, run, you know, Nigeria, run. Look for prosperity here. That's one major reason why I'm not going anywhere. I say, prosperity, you will come. You will use your two legs and your two wings 
And whatever you want to use, you will come from the north, from the east, from the west, from the south, from all the corners of the compass, from every nation of the earth where you are hiding, you will come to me. Why? It is written, Behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river, and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. It is a sin for me to go looking for it. I don't I don't care. I will not... Ah, I'm, no, that one, I will win it all. It must be on record. I didn't run to go and look for prosperity. I am senior to prosperity. Yeah, I'm senior. No, no, I'm senior to prosperity. I'm senior to it. You are a blessing. Me, I'm a child. Are you getting my point? You are a gift of God. Me, I'm a child of God. You are an addition. Me, I'm the substance. I'm the reason why Jesus died. My life is engraved in the palm of his hands. No. The tail must not wag the dog. It is the dog that wags the tail. And I'm the dog. Prosperity is what? The tail. I've never seen a dog running and the tail is in front. The dog is running and the tail is in front. You've seen it before. Is that not how we behave? Prosperity is running. We're the one running after it. No. No. You know, there are some things that don't, you know, you don't just want the satisfaction to be given to the devil that he moved you up and down like this. You want to stay in one place and die there. Say, why did you die? said, I died maintaining my leadership in life. For eternity, they will say, there was one film I watched once, I don't remember the name of the film. This guy, after he has for you know, gladiators, kind of fight, 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 finally won his freedom and died a few minutes after because of the volcano that erupted. He now said, as the volcano, as the hot ashes were coming towards the magma, he stood and said, I died a free man. Ha! You know, there's, because of spiritual understanding, something hits you. The guy said, I died a free man. I was okay with it. Let me die a free man. Prosperity was not leading me. I was the one in front. And it's the word of God. He said, I will cause it to flow towards you. So I will continue to pray for the country. I will continue to pray for my family. I will continue to pray for you. I continue to pray for people that listen to me. That God in this life, listen, these words must come to pass. Listen to me. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Let's rise to our feet and pray. What sound are you hearing? That's the question. What sound are you hearing? What are you listening to? I said, what sound are you hearing? I need an answer. I want you to give me an answer. What sound are you hearing? In America or in your life? <laughs> Far away from you or in your compound. If you hear the sound of abundance of health, give me an amen. amen. If you hear the sound of an abundance of prosperity, give me amen. amen. If you hear the sound of an abundance of peace around you, give me amen. amen. If you have the sound of the abundance of the establishment of the will of God in all that you do, please say an amen. Amen. Then begin to pray. Now that is how you pray. Say, come into my life in the name of Jesus. I command every obstruction, every obstacle to be removed. That is when prayers come. <laughs> look at what looks like it's not working. He said, look, <laughs> when you get home, do like Elijah. Literally sit down. Put your head between your knees. So that God will understand what you are saying. That here I am not going anywhere until your word has happened in my life. 
Declare those scriptures. Say, behold, he causes prosperity to flow towards me like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. Just be declaring scriptures over your life. Himself took my infirmities and my diseases. By his stripes, I have been healed. By his stripes, I have been healed. By his stripes, I have been healed. It is well with all that concerns me. In all that I do, I prosper. <laughs> Listen, true prayer warriors, they are persistent not because they are stubborn, but because they have heard the sound of the abundance of rain. Because they have heard the sound of the abundance of rain. There is a heavy shower coming into your life. There is a shower of influence. Your voice is about to be amplified. There is a shower of influence. You are going to spread righteousness. You will teach businesses how to do righteousness. You will teach families how to do righteousness. You will teach children how to do righteousness. You will teach the old how to do righteousness. Your voice is about to be amplified. I hear the sound of the abundance of influence. It's coming into your life. That is why Elijah prayed seven times. That was why Daniel stood there. He wasn't planning to go anywhere. Why? He had heard something. He had read something. Declare what you have heard. <laughs> Declare what you have heard. That's what the prayer is about. I imagine Elisha sitting down there. Say, rain, come. I hear your sound. Say to yourself, health, come. I hear your sound. I know your feeling. I feel you in my body. Say, peace, come. You are in my life. Prosperity, come. You flow towards me like a river. The wealth of the nations flows towards me like an overflowing stream. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. The sound of a heavy shower. That's what I hear. I don't hear the sound of the chariots of the Egyptians. No. No. I hear the sound of the breeze blowing open the Red Sea. That's what I hear. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I feel like saying it to you. He will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river. The wealth of the nations will come to you like an overflowing stream. Listen, sometimes things appear delayed. You can't give up. If you give up, (laughs) Thomas Edison didn't give up, not because he was stubborn. I can just imagine that he dreamt of that light. I imagine that he saw a vision of that light. I imagine that God gave him revelation concerning that light, so he couldn't give up. You can't give up. No, listen, listen. I preach on Saturday that sometimes things don't work out. <laughs> you have punched all the buttons. You have used all the principles. You have said everything. You have declared everything. It still hasn't worked out. Listen to me. That is round one. What did I say? Round one. Yeah, you have six more rounds to go. <laughs> but no matter how long it takes, you win. Yeah. Do you get my point? No, that's the logic about it. If Elijah, if Elijah did that the seventh time, they, they, they still don't see the cloud. You know what he will do? He will stay there. He tell the cloud, look, it's your problem. You are coming. The servant now go tired. Elijah no go tired. Uh, listen to me. When God sees that heart, the rain will fall. Most people who pray, they are testing. I don't know whether you get my point. They are testing. They are testing whether it will work. If it doesn't work, we're going to look for something else. But true prayer warriors... They are committed 
because they have heard a sound. Give the Lord thanks again this evening. Thank him. Say, Lord, I thank you. Say, Lord, I thank you. Say, Lord, I give you thanks. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Father, we thank you. Lord, thank you for rain. There's one song we used to sing that day, those days. It is raining all around me. It didn't used to be that slow. I mean, when I when used to sing it, it used to have some tempo to it. it was, until we are wet and we are soaked in the latter rain. That's how I sang it. This one, yeah, it is, even the rain go the wonders. Are you serious? <laughs> was, if you want to sing, I bet you go sing like say rain really is coming. Father, we thank you Hallelujah. for abundance of rain. In the name of Jesus Christ. God let's share the grace in fellowship. Let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we are passed out of death and we are passed into life. We are passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We are passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things were passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. Live above sin and walk above the devil. We are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication and dominion shining forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Now let's add one thing. Say, this is my season of abundance of rain. This is my season of abundance of rain in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Turn to somebody, three people, and tell them, this is your season of abundance of rain. Another person. One more person. This is your season of abundance of rain. All right, one last one for you. This is my season of abundance of rain in that name. All right, cherub brethren, God bless you. See you on Saturday.